article here is taken from the small business section of the Wall Street Journal from Thursday, August 9th. It's one that I actually am kind of excited to, to go through and see what you think about this because, um, well, I just think it's going to spur on a lot of good conversation. But the title is Street Fight, uh, Food Trucks versus Restaurants. Um, and I'll go through and I'll read a little bit of it. Um, but the idea is you have all these different food trucks. Some of them are gourmet uh, food trucks, and they can come in. They can come in, park wherever they want. Um, some cities you know, have different restrictions than others. Um, but the restaurants think that it's unfair. Because let's say you have the, month, the lunch rush from 11 to 2, and the rest of the hours, the restaurant business may lose money. But those three hours makes up for the loss of the other mm-hmm. hours. But these trucks just come in, and they just pull in during those peak hours, and they're out. Um, so they don't even have to worry about the slow times, and their argument is that it's taking away the young professionals that would typically be coming into the restaurant. Um, so I just thought it was kind of funny that this was even coming out. Um, but based on my understanding of the article, and I'll get to it, is that some cities um, are trying to decide if they should put restrictions or laws against these vans in order to keep it fair for the restaurants, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, but so here we go, and it's by Sarah E. Needleman. For everybody at home, that's again, that's uh, Sarah E. Needleman. Um, but it says a street fight is brewing between gourmet food truck vendors and restaurants. Not over the grub, but how it is sold. Take it to the street. Uh-huh. <laughs> Under pressure to protect bricks and mortar restaurants from increased competition, several big cities um, have started to apply the brakes on a rising tide of food truck vendors oh, with fully no. loaded kitchens. Um, so Boston, Chicago, St. Louis, and Seattle are among the cities enacting laws that restrict where food trucks can serve customers um, in proximity to their rivals' Uh, and for how long they're able to sit there. So not only are they putting restrictions on them, but they are associating the re- this, these restrictions with exactly how far they are away from other restaurants. You know, so I'm speculating here. I may be wrong in what they are, but essentially it's saying if there is, let's say, a Mexican restaurant that is up, already established, brick and mortar, doing business from, you know, 11 to 9, whatever it is. They may say you have to be a certain distance away from this Mexican restaurant if you're going to be providing a similar service in a van or truck. You know, I, I just I think it is amazing that this is even a conversation. Um, this but the, is ridiculous. Like, yeah. why? Number one, what you said: Seattle, Chicago, Boston. Boston, Chicago, St. Louis, and Seattle are among the cities. So there are more, but those are kind of the larger cities. Okay, so all of these cities have nothing else going on. Their biggest problem <laughs> right now are food trucks. Is that what I'm supposed to understand? Yes, that's exactly. All what right, you're so. Here's what I think. <laughs> yes, yeah, so this is Liz, Liz Logic is what Liz we're going to hear. Yeah. We have uh, these restaurants that have been there for a while. Mm-hmm. You got your uh, city employees that like to venture to said restaurants. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now you have these food trucks coming in threatening yes. these restaurants. Uh-huh. And uh, I think this is a personal vendetta. <laughs> I really do. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> There's, there's no other reason for it, really. I'm trying to think of one, and that's the best I can come up with. Well, let's continue, shall we? Maybe something positive that will in, invoke some thought. Probably uh, not. But. No, no, I, I wouldn't <laughs> suspect that at all. Um, but some food truck operators argue that they shouldn't be punished for offering an inv- innovative service, especially since many cities already allow restaurants to open up alongside another restaurant. That's actually a good point, which, I mean, I was kind of taking the approach that this was a silly thing anyway. You shouldn't have laws restricting. But it's actually a really good point to say, well, listen, why would you restrict us specifically? If there was a restaurant opened up and another restaurant wanted to open up directly beside them, there's no law saying they can't open up beside another restaurant. You know, so how can you go after a, a, a food truck and say you can't come in? Another restaurant can't, by all means. 
you know, but if you're going to open up from this specific hour and this specific time, you can't do it. Now, are they paying for the parking spots, or is that not even addressed in the article? Oh, I think it'll be addressed. I haven't read this one all the way through. It's a little bit of a long article. I just was really attracted to the headline and, and the right. idea. Um, so we'll get there. But my suspicion is um, you do have to pay for a permit. And okay. regardless of, um, I don't think you have to pay for a spot specifically. Okay. But, there, but you do have to pay you know, to get the proper licensing um, to be out and about. And then I'm pretty sure the same way that you have to pay for any permit is actually would be on a, a per day basis or per month basis. You know, I don't think it's a one-time fee and you're done. You know what I mean? I think you have to maintain this. And I think it's also a good point to bring up that it's not like they're parking directly out in front of these stores. Well, right? they may be. They may it's, be. It's not like they're driving up. You got uh, <laughs> Timmy's Tacos over here and he pulls up right in front of a Mexican <laughs> restaurant. Parks right in front of their door. I mean, <laughs> well, they, they really might be doing that. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, it, I as a restaurant owner, I can see how you would be a little upset about uh-huh. that. But I mean, there's really anything you could do. Oh, that's actually really funny. But the rules are unfair. Uh, so it's Amy Lee, owner of Duck and Roll, a food truck in, in Chicago <laughs> serving Asian-style cuisine that includes short ribs and mango. <laughs> you can't laugh at the name. Can, but, no, but, this but, article <laughs> is full of terrible puns. This is awful. <laughs> it just keeps getting worse. Go on. Uh, but three weeks after she launched the business last fall, she received a ticket from local law enforcement for doing business about 150 feet from a wine bar. Um, 50 feet within the city's limit for how close food trucks can park outside of retail food establishments. So there is law already in the state saying that um, you have to be 200 feet away from an established business. Now that's not that far away. 200 feet's okay. So essentially what they're saying is you can't park right in front of the front door. That's exactly <laughs> what they're saying. The entrance on the sidewalk. <laughs> and, and I don't really have a problem with that. No. Nor do I think that she has any kind of a beef here. I mean, if there is a law in, in, you know, already written down in stone, you can't just break the law and be mad that you got a ticket. Right. I mean, same thing with the fire hydrant. You know what I mean? Like, you know it's there. You can't be upset that you get a ticket. Right. Um, so Miss Lee says that she later had to spend nearly a full day in court to find out what the violation would cost her, which ended up being about $300, and that she lost an estimated six to $700 in sales as a result. Um, but, again, I think that, that she has a false claim here. I mean, she, she broke a rule that she should be aware of. I mean, if you're opening up right. a business, you, you should be aware, especially if your business is to park trucks somewhere. You should know what your limitations of where you're allowed to park are. Right, and even if she didn't, let's say she didn't know the law and everything, okay, you get in trouble once, you don't do it again, you take the consequences of your actions, I guess. Right. If possible for it, and then move on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the 200-foot the buffer uh, prohibits me from competing, she says. So the fact that she has to be more than 200 feet away um, from a previously established business. Now, let, let's, let's go into this a little bit, because <coughs> it says it prohibits her from competing, but... The specific location isn't really anything. I mean, the restaurant that's been there for a while has established that. They paid the price, you know, to get customers there. I don't think that usually, like, a piranha should be able to come in and, and fight for a spot that somebody else worked to get. I mean, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm not... So I don't really like her fight. I wish that we would go away from her because, in general, I think they're actually losing credibility using her comments here. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think she has any basis for what I she think says. the restaurants are jealous. I mean... But right. she can get up and move around, and if she can, let her do it. The restaurants either need to find a better way to pull people in, or you know, I don't think her. I guess I'm not yeah. seeing her comments as maybe. What, what do you mean? We're, you know, we're talking about a woman who owns the truck, right? Okay, right. Um, says that she also opposes a new rule requiring food trucks to install global positioning devices so the city can track their whereabouts. 
It is a free market. Let the consumers decide when and where they want to eat. <laughs> so there's a new law going in where you actually have a, a global positioning device to locate this. Um, Tom Alexander, a spokesman for the city of Chicago. Now, this is good. We actually get here from the city. This is good. I'm interested to hear what Which he has si- to say. Chicago. Chicago. Okay. Um, is a workable compromise. So they're, they're trying to fight to figure out a, a, a something that works for both. Mm-hmm. You know, the restaurant chain. Why are we even getting involved? If we already have the law of 200 feet, uh, that we're done. What the fight between the restaurant and the truck—that's their own thing. You don't need right. to get involved. No. Like this isn't a judge and jury here. We don't need this. But let's hear what he says anyway. <laughs> that includes the addition of 60 free parking spaces in high-traffic areas for food trucks. See, I think this is silly. Um, we don't need to work to include free parking for these food trucks. It's kind of up to them to find the spot, right? right. I mean, can we agree on that? Um, so, and it says it reflects in everybody's interest. So here's what we're doing. We're going to use city money, tax money, to develop new parking spots, you know, so that there's at least 60 free parking spots for these trucks because that's in everybody's best interest. No, no, no. If, if somebody wants to eat from this truck, they will find it. Because here's, here's what I'm – now, I'm, putting, I'm projecting this onto the, the situation, but what I'm reading into this is saying that the food trucks are saying there aren't enough spaces for them to go to. If they have to be 200 feet away from any established business, mm-hmm. there's nowhere for them to park that gets them in the position of finding customers while allowing customers to park. You know what I mean? Like, they have to go so far out if they can't be within 200 feet, which I'm, I just don't see that as a problem that has to be changed. You know, I find that as you're creating, you're innovating a new thing, but we should have to change the laws to allow your innovation. You know what I mean? If you're saying you have a great concept, which is this truck that can drive in anywhere, we shouldn't have to change laws that allows you to operate somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, shouldn't that be on you, the innovator, to find something that is actually legal? Yeah. You know, it's like saying, you know, it's kind of illegal to break and 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 go through red lights, but I'm trying to think of this new apparatus that you put in a car that allows you to drive through red lights. So can we change the law so my, so my device will work so it's sellable? You know what I mean? Like, that's a little bit of a stretch, but that's essentially what they're saying. Right. They're saying, I have a concept that could work if you change the laws for me. You don't think so? No, I agree. I'm just the basis for the fact that it's Disgusting awful. Oh, okay. Um, so gourmet food truck operators say another problem is that in many cities, cities they are still uh, relegated to antiquated rules um, intended for ice cream, hot dog, and other traditional mobile vendors with smaller and less complex menus. Uh, hopefully they get to what they're talking about here because I'm not sure what they're talking about. New Orleans, for example, requires... Okay, they are. Mobile food vendors to change locations after 45 minutes in one spot, among other restrictions. Okay, that is interesting. Um, so there's a law in, in a lot of these states, and they specifically relate to New Orleans here, um, that if you are a food vendor um, that changes location, so you are mobile, um, that you're only allowed to park for 45 minutes at one said location. Um, so they want to reverse that. So how, like, how, okay, so if you're there for 45 minutes, does it also specify how far you have to move from that spot? That's an interesting question, although I think, man, I just don't know how these are all set up. I don't know if they have to be hooked up to anything. You know, so I don't know if it, if it factors in if, if they have to, like, close shop to move an inch and then reopen a shop. I mean, how hazardous is that? You know what I mean? So even if they don't have to move very far, it may be, you know, it's not a feasible amount of time for this business model. It's just 31-year-old Rachel Billa. So, again, I go back to if it's not a feasible amount, how do you have a business model then? At some point, if there's laws in practice that don't allow you to have a working business model, at what point do you say, let's continue with this? You know, she already has the truck. She's in operation. Yeah. So at some point, she noticed that her business model doesn't work. It's just interesting to me that you continue and then you complain about the laws. But I'm not necessarily opposing. I, why, why is the original law, I, I ask, 
Like, why did you have to change every 45 minutes, even if you were a hot dog or ice cream vendor? And then how does that apply to, like, uh, ice cream trucks, the ones that, like, drive around town? Does it specify how close uh, in proximity to other ice cream places that they can mm-hmm. come? Because, I mean, they're constantly mobile, so it's not an issue of parking. Mm-hmm. But I guess if you're driving in the block of the ice cream parlor, let's say, I mean, are there laws for that as well? Yeah, I see what you mean. And, and my suspicion is that's where the initial law came from. Okay. You know, because these food trucks are relatively new. You know, I mean, they've been around for a couple of years, but in relation to mobile food vehicles, yeah, it's, it's relatively new. It's definitely trending. <clears throat> so the idea that there was a previously established rule or law, I would like to believe it was the hot dog vendors and the ice cream vendors that created it. So you would have a, 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 a mobile <laughs> ice cream vendor just parked right in front of an ice cream park, so eventually they had to create, like, you got to be yeah. 200 feet away. Um, but I guess I, I, I'm a little bit more on getting government out. So to me, it just says if you can't beat a mobile ice cream truck, how great of a ice cream parlor are you? Now, if your argument is they don't know you're there, I, I ask you the same question. I mean, eventually, if you're tremendous at what you do and you provide an incredible service, word of mouth is going to spread. Competition's always going to be there. So if you got some guy in a truck that's selling, you know, whatever, what are those good humor bars, you know what I mean, and you can't beat them as an authentic ice cream parlor, is, is the fact that you create a new law really going to help you long term? Like, somebody's no, going to come and beat you they're, anyway. They're looking for an instant fix. None of these right. people that are, are complaining right now are looking for a long term solution. They want an instant fix to their problem right now to help them solely. No one else. That's what they're yeah. looking for. Now, as this continues, it, it kind of goes into what we spoke of or what we questioned a second ago, which it says uh, Rachel Billow, and she owns you know a food truck that serves Latin American cuisine. Um, and she, she claimed it takes a half an hour for her to set up her truck. So she drives up to some place, takes her half an hour to set up, she's open for 45 minutes and has to leave again and go somewhere else. That's her biggest complaint. Oh, wow. That would... You know, so I, I can see what she's saying, but again, it comes back to, at some point, you have to be aware of those laws before you move forward. Like, I, I mean, they show her specifically, and they show she's got a big, huge, fancy truck. She spent a lot of time, she's got a Twitter or Facebook on, her, on the side of her truck. She's got a big, huge window. Um, you know, it's, it's as far as a mobile thing, it's a pretty legitimate, you know, thing here. You right. know, she spent some money in there. At some point, you would think that you would have reviewed the laws to understand, you know, exactly what it is. So I'm, I'm not sure that it's up, up to us to change in your behalf. It reminds me of when I'm driving and I see big, huge bumper stickers inside some car that says, look twice for motorcycles. You know, and, and I have no problem. I'm not looking for people on motorcycles to die. I'm just saying if they got into a, a machine that operates and you know it's, it's risky and it's hard for people to see you and it's dangerous... Why is it on me driving a car to look extra on your behalf? Like, you're in a risky, you know, thing. I mean, maybe you look twice while driving. I'll look the same amount. I'm just saying, I don't know if you can impose, you know what I mean, restrictions on me when all I'm trying to do is get something to eat. I don't know. It it just (laughs) seems like you're focusing on the wrong thing. You're kind of slowing everybody down to help the one person when they should be able to circumnavigate the laws and fix a business model that works prior to changing laws. I'm just saying. I would like to see that said in this article, but nobody says that. <clears throat> so we have <laughs> we have Danielle, the communications director of uh, New Orleans. She's a city council member. Uh, says the city is currently looking into adopting more progressive laws for regulating gourmet food trucks. No. Um, well, this may help out the trucks. We don't know because it says more progressive. So it's, it's like, oh, I see. You're just, laws you're... in general just don't need to be made on this mm-hmm. subject. There are more important issues out there that they need to be addressing versus whether a food truck can park out on the street. How many spaces are there? Like, it just, it seems like wasted time and effort. 
Yeah, and this goes right back into what we've been saying because we ha- we're talking to another a truck operator. And I, to be honest with you, I gotta condemn uh, or condone Sarah. She's she's written a pretty thorough article here because she's already. I'm getting ready to talk to our third mobile truck operator. Yeah. Um, and they're in different cities, so she's done some research on this. So the article is pretty well written, or at least informative. Yeah. You know whether we agree or not, but she goes in to talk about somebody else, and I think it goes right back to. And we're gonna end up saying the same thing here. Um, but she says one of the truck operators. Um, Talks about they typically find a location and then they post it, you know, on the Twitter and Facebook page. Um, and then she, she goes on to say, even if we have to move once, people are going to complain they can't find us. Um, and this is Skip uh, Stellhorn, <laughs> who runs Pollo uh, Frito, a fried chicken uh, truck that, <laughs> that began operating throughout the San Francisco Bay Area in January. Um, these are relatively new businesses. And I guess... Uh, maybe everybody's bored listening, but I, I, I can't figure out why you're... you're Spending your time to create an operation that is struggling against current laws. Like I just, I, I, I just don't see why you move forward if, if there's all these restrictions. Maybe fight the restrictions first. You, you know what I mean? I guess I'm, yeah. I'm struggling to figure out. Unless they, unless they already have so much invested, or I mean, there's a lot of people that don't set up businesses in the right way or mm-hmm. even know how to start it. So maybe they bought the truck, they have the food, and now they're like, and now all they right, just realize. let's let's go forward. And, and it's kind of like, well, I already have this invested, but I have to go forward with it. There's no turning back. And then they fight the restrictions and learn everything as they go. Now, now we're going to switch over. So now I'm a little bit interested because now we're going to go back to the restaurant owners. Cause okay. we, but the, the thing that is interesting in this article is now I, I all of a sudden confuse myself because we began the article talking about how successful these food trucks were and how unfair they were to the restaurant businesses. Right. But we spent the entire article talking about how fed up the food truck vendors were right. So we never. So nobody's really happy. Nobody's really. I mean, it's hurting everybody based on how this article reads. You yeah. know. So I'm, I'm not sure what's going on. But anyway, uh, restaurant owners may be concerned for a good reason. In Boston, there are now 38 food trucks in operation. Um, that's an increase from 17 from a year ago and about six in 2010. St. Louis currently has 29 food trucks, up from 14 last year and zero in 2010. Meanwhile, inquiries about food truck permits in, in Sacramento, California, now average three to four a week compared to just one a month a year ago. So we can agree that they are increasing in size, and they're increasing in, in volume and popularity. Um, established restaurants say the influx of food trucks is eating away at their bottom line. They come during our busiest hours, and they park in front of us, says Candy Silva. So that goes into what we were saying earlier. Uh, co-owner of El uh, uh, Guacho Luca's uh, Cafe in downtown Las Vegas, where legislature Legislators are considering an ordinance that would prevent food trucks from parking for more than four hours a day on a public street within 300 feet of a retail food establishment. Hmm. Um, Ms. Silva says she supports the proposed ordinance because she wants to protect her five-employee establishment from the food trucks, as they offer they often undercut her in price. Her restaurant charges about eight dollars for a hamburger, twice as much as the food trucks. Um, we spend a lot on advertising and promotions to bring people downtown, and the food trucks benefit from that. As her husband and business partner Pablo Silva, um, but but see. I, I just... Yeah, I could see how that would make me angry as a business owner. You've just spent... Let's let's say your budget for uh, advertising, you spent $1,000 to get people down there. Mm-hmm. You have an $8 hamburger now that you're trying to get people in this truck parks in front of you selling <laughs> them for half off. <laughs> I mean, I could, see, I could see a business owner just standing there in the window. <laughs> what? Come no. downtown for a fabulous hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see that, and, and I think I think that the food trucks could get some of the business. I get that, um, but I think that when, when if there's a lot of advertising, a lot of marketing, and you're coming downtown specifically due to an ad 
advertisement. You're still going to follow through with it. I right. Say. I don't think you go, oh, man, I want to check out this, <laughs> <laughs> this new hamburger joint. This Javi hamburger joint It's called, like, you know, something really cool. I'm going to get this awesome bacon cheeseburger. Oh, my God, <laughs> a hamburger truck. Like, yeah. you are going to go all the way inside. And I, I think a lot of the reason um, that you would uh, go out to eat is, you know, you, you like the inside of the restaurant. You like the air conditioning atmosphere. Right. And, Certain people are going to get the hamburgers outside, and, and some of them are. And you might steal some of the money from the advertising. I get that, but... Yeah, it, but I think I think it would... A food truck appeals more to someone who's either a follower of that particular food truck or someone who's just walking down the street and, and yeah. it comes across it. It's not someone that saw an ad for something else and was like, well, instead, there's a food truck. You know, I, I see their complaint, and I can see how you would be mad after spending, you know, thousands of dollars on advertising and watching people line up for the food truck. <laughs> Maybe your ad wasn't successful. Right. I mean, you can't just you can't just tack it up to be this food truck is a monster and it came in and stole all your business. That's just not. That's just not right. Yeah, I mean, it, exactly right. But um, well, let, let's move on with that because it actually goes into another you know oh, okay. person that is doing thing. But but Gavin Coleman. The general manager of the Dubliner, and that's a, his family's Irish pub and restaurant in Washington, D.C., uh, says food trucks don't just compete with them for foot traffic, they also occupy a long stretch of parking spots where his customers look to park their vehicles. Um, and they play loud music that he fears is a disturbance for patrons who dine on this outdoor patio. Um, now, here actually brings up an interesting point. I hadn't thought about this before, um, but and if you're in a residential area, non commercial, but if you're in a residential area, you do have certain rights as far as noise complaints. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure, you know, if the claim is just going to be a slippery slope or not, but, I mean, if, if you have an outdoor patio, um, shouldn't you have some rights towards what noise is being polluted into your patio? Like, I, I think that he, they actually, if, if their complaint yeah. is that the music is so loud that people can't enjoy their patio space, um, I, I think you might have a legitimate complaint there. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's restaurant one. Yeah. Now, if, if you, <laughs> yeah, one two trucks a lot. But um, I mean, all, but as far as the parking spaces go, I mean, if you're not, if you don't own the parking space, if they're public parking, I don't think you have any right to complain that another place is being successful. However, if they're pulling up into the Dubliners parking <laughs> and parking their truck, I mean, the restaurant has there are certain rights and there are certain boundaries that I can see these trucks infringing on. However, if it's a public parking spot. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone can park there. Yeah, the, the way that this is written, what I'm imagining is you have a row of parking spaces that you would typically park in vertically. Mm -hmm. These trucks are very, very large. They can't park vertically or they'd stick out onto the road. So they're taking up four or five horizontal. They're going in horizontal. I don't even think they can get away with doing that because that's a towable offense. Like, you can get towed for things like that. So I don't see how they can mm -hmm. just waltz in there. I, the way I envision it, it's, it's on-street parking or off-street parking. Um, where you're, you're along the side of the street and you're parking in one of those spaces next to the curb. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I'm envisioning because I, I haven't seen that many food trucks in my lifetime. I haven't really been looking for them either, <laughs> But when I do see them, they're on the side of the road parked along like a sidewalk or, or something like that. So that's what I'm envisioning, that they're you know, down the street, which would what would normally be parking for this restaurant for patrons mm -hmm. to walk to and they're, you know, blocking a space or two. It's no different than there actually being people in there. If people really want to get there, they'll find the space. 
That's what I No, mean. yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Now, um, let's see, as it continues on, businesses pick locations and business models around certain peak times, says Mr. Coleman. Food trucks can poach that business and then pick up and leave. Uh, two or three times a week, a fleet of food trucks, as many as 17, <laughs> pull up alongside a busy road roughly 75, feet, <laughs> roughly 75 feet from his establishment, creating a transient food court for lunch seekers, Mr. Coleman says. Three years ago, there were none. But why? Why are you? They have a better, perhaps they have a better concept for lunch than you do. You know, I mean, because here's the idea: is that let's say you have a business crowd, like you're in a downtown where there's a flourishing number of, of offices or whatever there is, um, and what people want for lunch, they want something quick and something fast, because they don't have long lunch hours. Sometimes you only have a half an hour. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're lucky, you get an hour. I don't think anybody gets more than an hour for lunch. No. Um, and a lot of places they're going to now, a lot of people are eating at their desks now and working through their lunch. I mean, it, there's a there's a, there's a big crunch to get as many hours as you can in, um, and and get as much stuff done during that time period. So that being said, the idea that you're taking these long leisurely lunch breaks where you can go to a, a retail you know brick and mortar location, chill out under the air conditioning and, and talk and and have a jovial time is kind of a, time, a thing of the past. And I think that's one of the reasons why these food trucks have become successful. I think it, we might want to look at it in terms of not that the food trucks are taking away business, but there was a gap in what people wanted. You know what I mean? That, that, that these restaurants couldn't fulfill anyway. Yeah. So it created a niche that these food trucks came in to serve. I don't think the food trucks created this. I think that there was a need that wasn't being ser- served. Do you know what I mean? So I, right. I think that perhaps in whatever for the way that we're going as a society, it, Especially during these lunch breaks of business, you know, in these downtowns, is that the restaurants weren't going to be able to to serve these people anyway. Yeah. Um. I think that it's interesting that you mentioned they were getting organized and having a fleet of trucks just storm in. Um. But I, I also think that it, it is a trend. I mean, even the Food Network has jumped on it. There's a whole show dedicated to that now, uh, and I think that there's another. I want to say there's Food Network and then there's the Food Channel, maybe? I mean, there's two separate there's two separate channels dedicated strictly to food, but they both have food truck shows. One's a reality show, one's a competition. Um, so, I mean, it's definitely something that's a trend and, and growing, but I don't think a small town like here is affected by that as much as, I don't know. I'm still on the food truck side. I'm not so much on the... Uh... Yeah, I'm not sure the restaurants have swayed me much. I mean... <laughs> no. um, I, I, they brought I, up some good points, though. And, and some of this stuff, I might be a little bit out of touch, because uh, I've been in a small town for a little while, but um, even in Cincinnati, which is arguably a small town in mm-hmm. terms of large-sized towns, you know, it's still on a smaller scale and a little bit further back in times of... Yeah. But they had food trucks, but specifically... And they may have had some during lunch, too. I don't remember those, but they, they kind of targeted... The people going out at night, you know, and they would kind of show up, and you never knew where they were going to be, and you had to follow them on yeah. Facebook, and it was a fun experience. And they're creating, it's a very different experience than a restaurant, but it's a very real experience for mm-hmm. people where, you know, you might be talking about it for like three days, where's this food truck going to be, you know, and everybody's going to show up. I mean, it's kind of a cool vibe in and of itself. And I think that just like in any other business, when you have a new innovation, it's hurtful to the ones who have been around the same way when there's railroads and somebody came out with a car, you know what I mean? But I think it's it's silly to try to prohibit the new innovation just because it's hurting the old. I think everybody has to learn how to adapt. Yeah. 
Um, restaurants certainly aren't going to go out of style in general. You know, it, it, I mean, there's still people want to go out to eat. Yeah. Um, but I can see how it's hurting during specific times. Now, here's something that's interesting. We're going to start talking about Washington, D.C. specifically. But it's interesting because they start talking about some of the pricing involved. You know, so how a truck has to pay to park oh, somewhere. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so it says officials in Washington, D.C. are considering an ordinance that would restrict where food trucks can operate and, and require them to arrange for trash removal. I don't have any problem with that, necessarily. Um, but Andrew Klein, who's a spokesperson for the Restaurant Association Metropolitan Washington, <laughs> uh, says the trade group supports the proposal. So, so obviously, the person representing the restaurants supports yeah. that there's more ordinance. But um, he goes on to say that restaurants in Washington pay 60 to $70 a square foot for prime locations. Um, oh, this may be not as cool as I thought, because they're just talking about in order to buy a building in a great location, paying $60 to $70 a square foot. Um, well, food trucks, they pay parking rates that equal about $12 a square foot. So they do have to pay to park. I just saw numbers. I thought I was going to oh, something okay. cool. I, that didn't really service what I thought I was going to get. <laughs> Um, I mean, it does, it does answer my uh, previous question about whether yeah, they does. have to pay or not. And that may change per city, but at least in Washington, D.C., they're required to pay. And they probably are required to pay something everywhere to park, I would yeah, think. Yeah, I would think. Um, it, it, <laughs> it still is... I, I still think it, it looks like it's in favor for these uh, food trucks then, versus a, an actual location. Mm -hmm. You know, you go where the people are, it's cheaper. I'm still confused as to where... The argument's supposed to turn to uh, the Yeah, basically, these restaurants are just saying, hey, man, we're fixed, and, and we can't help it, and we're losing money. Make laws so it makes it harder for them to beat us. You know, I mean, that's essentially what they're asking for here. Um, now, to, he goes on to say, to be sure, not all cities have been successful at regulating food trucks. And they give an example. They say last year in El Paso, Texas, uh, they were forced to overturn a 2009 ordinance that prohibited food trucks from doing business within 1,000 feet of retail food establishments. That seems way excessive. So in 2009, there was a law that said in order to operate a food truck, you got to be more than a thousand feet away from an established business. Um, now that was overturned um, after being sued by four local food truck vendors. The case also resulted in the removal of all ordinance that only allowed food trucks to do business when hailed by customers and to remain parked only for as long as customers were being served. That's crazy. So essentially, they're like food service taxis. So they had to drive around until somebody flagged them down. They can only stay stationary while they had customers there. Then they had to move on again. So essentially, they had figured out a loophole to essentially ban these food vendors. You know what I mean? Like, that's really, you can't be successful doing right. that. Right. Um, economic uh, protectionism is not a legitimate governmental interest. And I agree with that, says Bert Gale, a senior attorney at the Institute for Justice, a national nonprofit law firm based in Arlington, Virginia, which represented the plaintiffs. Um, so Bruce Parsons, a spokesman for El Paso's health department, says the case reflects the interests of the city's growing food truck community. It is a much more acceptable ordinance now to be a mobile vendor, he says. There are lots of them. Food trucks are very popular here. Hmm. So they continue to grow even with this crazy law, and now the law has been overturned. So that does it for Mara? Hmm. I, I found that extremely interesting. I thought it was good. I think it's yeah, interesting. Okay. And I don't think the restaurants have much of a chance. No, not, not with this argument. Right. And nor, no, I don't think they're going to be allowed to. I, I don't think the ordinances and these laws are going to pass. No, I, I don't want to be on the first one. Well, I've seen crazier things, so maybe. <laughs>